Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to now. I'm down Twanfield, and we'll see them. What you doing down here, you shiny man? As exclusively revealed on last Friday night's late night post match pod, Ken Early is away this week. We have lost our main man just as Stephen Kenny's reign as Republic of Ireland manager teeters on the brink. Some might see this, aside from being the latest in the litany of Ken being away for a big Irish football service, <laughs> some might see this as a devastating blow in such a big week for the Irish team. But we, here at the Second Captain's Football Podcast, are adversity monsters. Yeah, on. Are, are we performance ninjas? We're mostly We're, I would say monsters. I'm a performance ninja. You're a... Uh, uh, opportunity monster is that what you're calling yourself here adversity monster adversity monster yeah, yeah. I Listen, eat adversity for breakfast one door closes but in fact the window of opportunity has been left ajar on, and we're about to well, I'm about to throw you through the window of opportunity to make my uh, entrance through the window of opportunity easier so thank you for smashing the glass pane of the window of opportunity for my comfort and benefit. Getting extremely confused by all these analogies. But what I will tell you is David Snade of the Unfanning are on today pre-Gibraltar. And tomorrow, it's the rarely spotted Irish football punditry dream team. The very best pundits in this country. Richie Sadler and Damien Delaney together on the show for World Service members only. Judging by his analysis on Virgin on Friday night, Damien is long past the end of his tether with Stephen Kenny's management. At some point, there has to be accountability. And Richie was struggling, in fairness, to muster much support for our beleaguered boss man. Hiss off with that crap <laughs> on that Friday night episode when he raced across from the RT studios to be with us. Gibraltar, Murph, would you like to hazard a guess as to where they're ranked by FIFA? Uh, 100 and... I'll stop you there. You've Whoa. got that wrong. 201st. <laughs> wow. There are more than 200 nations competing in international <laughs> football. They've lost each of their three opening fixtures against Greece, Netherlands and France 3-0. But they do arrive in Dublin with vast experience in their ranks. Two players in their 40s. Defender Roy Cipollina and striker Lee Caschiaro. And there's a 37-year-old in the mix as well. As well as the new generation of Gibraltar footballers. <laughs> Who are in their early 30s. <laughs> wow. So this is what we're dealing with. 40-year-olds. Yeah. But no, uh, in their 40s. In their 40s. One is 40. The striker's 41, I believe. Wow. I mentioned there. Well, so please, I mean, if, some, if Lee Caschiaro is the man who beats us tonight with a 25-yard with a thunderbolt, <laughs> just remember he's 41 years of age. Stop it. He's 41, yeah, he's 41 years, years old. old. Stephen wow. Kenny's eve of match press conference got a bit feisty with the Irish Daily Mail journalist Philip Quinn describing the results as shambolic and the manager demanding a bit more respect 
from the aforementioned journalists. You will, in this clip, you'll hear the FAI's communications manager interject at one point and also James McLean, our 100 cap man, stepping in. Uh, Stephen, how do you think you're doing as our manager? You know, I'm not going to sit here and uh, do a full press conference on an assessment of my, my period or in charge or anything like that. I'm here really to prepare for tomorrow. <coughs> the game against Gibraltar, the big game for us. And I said to you, like, obviously I'm disappointed that uh, that we lost against Greece, but we've got to bounce back against Gibraltar, and we're firmly sure we can do that, and uh, and we'll take that into September. Well, you did say there earlier, you said you believe in the players. We're three years down the road, so you still believe in the players after three years. So well, it's not, it's not. I mean, players, players have come in in that period. Like a lot of players have come in the last year. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't, you, can't, you know, they're not all. Can't, they can't say anything. Get to the point where you're saying, there, we have the team, this is the team I want. We're going to play the way I want. Because we've been hearing a lot over the last three years, and none of us come through. You know, the record shambled, shambolic. Yeah. We've been out of early campaign, it just started. This one is hanging by a, by a, by a thread. Yeah, we're, we're in the World Cup campaign, and then we're in the Euro campaign. Like, I'm you know, you know, just be respectful of your question. Yeah, no, it's about it's about time we had a bit of respect from you. To be honest, I mean, like respect at times of press conferences, it shouldn't be tolerated. Mm. Do you know what I mean? To be honest, That's it's absolutely, harsh. it's absolutely terrible at times. So what are you thinking of players? The players, I mean, the players are back in the You believe in the players? Do you work? Do you take this country in the major tournaments going forward? Do you believe in this? Players that were capable of doing them? I think we are, yeah. I think the players are capable of doing that. Congratulations on your 100 cap. Thank you. <laughs> I do like that bit at the end. Congratulations on your 100 cap. <laughs> Thanks. That, uh, that clip might say as much about Stephen Kenny's current state of mind, uh, but also maybe about the character of James McLean, who isn't going to stand idly by as his yeah. manager gets, gets it in the neck a little bit. So... Uh, yeah, we'll talk to the lads about that. Also, he was asked at one stage, Kenny, if anything other than a win against Gibraltar would be unthinkable. And his wording was interesting. He said, in terms of European Championship qualification, yeah, it is. So it's probably the first time he's ever described a game as uh, one we have to win. Yeah. But he didn't say that in terms of his future as manager. He said in terms of our chances of qualification. Whereas I think we're probably, no matter how the fierce question was asked in a different, are, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah. No matter I how mean, fierce a loyalist you are, as Stephen Kenny loyalist, I think you would probably accept that He's in a bit of bother if things Listen, don't if go Gibraltar were in the top 200 teams in yeah, international they're football, then maybe not. But I mean, draw. <laughs> yeah. So there is more on the line than usual than a humdrum home qualifier against a team ranked outside the world's top 200. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Claim is there, Williams is going to get there first. Oh. Over see what I mean about him, Rob. See what I mean about that lad. He is so, so indisciplined. But he's going to be the hero for Ireland. Just, that is the guy we should have got at at this game. Little niggles at him. Closing that Wales dressing room, whoever was closest to McLean, you say, absolutely get inside this fella's head. Poke away at him, see where the weak spots are. McLean's our man. It's all duck or no dinner now. we got to just go and win the game now. All duck or no dinner. We have duck for dinner, grown up, rarely had duck. It is just after 10am on the morning of what could be Stephen Kenny's final game as Republic of Ireland manager if things go a certain way tonight. With us is the 42's David Snade. Hey David. Good morning, how's it going? And Dion Fanning of the Free State Podcast. Hey Dion, how's, how's it going? Warm? Nice to be in a studio that doesn't have Joe Brawley in it. Just it's nice to be able to free to talk about football, you know, without somebody talking about the superiority of our own games. <laughs> You're overriding emotion thinking about what's in store tonight. Oh God, um, I think it's I think it's pretty dismal in in many ways. I think that the idea that like Gibraltar has turned into a a must win must game win, yeah. is kind of pretty depressing and uh the idea of of of, of Stephen Kenny coming out and on rounding and rounding on his critics if Ireland beat Gibraltar 1-0 um you know kind yeah. of Kevin Keegan style uh, I've kept really quiet as in he, he said that already he's going to round on his critics is that well no I think he, he he well there, there was that bit of tension in the in the press conference uh, uh ahead of the game and but I do think when you're framing it like this, that if they draw, um, or if they don't beat Gibraltar, it's over, then it's kind of, it's just a dismal, it is it's just a dismal idea that somehow Stephen Kenny would be emboldened by a victory. And I guess we will talk about the future for him at some point, but I think in 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 terms of, of where we are now, it, it's, I, I, I don't know how, how much longer it's sustainable. As somebody who's supported Stephen mm. Kenny through... Uh, 
bad results and worse results. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's hard after Saturday or after yeah. Friday. That uh, altercation with the journalist you mentioned was Philip Quinn, who said results have been shambolic in one of his questions to Stephen Kenny, and Stephen Kenny said it's about time he had a bit of respect from you to be honest. So is this kind of a bad sign that he's getting into this kind of thing, David, or would you respect him for standing his ground against perceived injustices from the press? Um, I suppose in the instance yesterday, like I wasn't there, obviously I saw the clip and then even as it was happening, people were messaging me about what was what was happening and the manner of it. I suppose he kind of had to. And it, to be honest, it's kind of a surprise that maybe it took him this long and it's probably a bad thing that he did it after after a defeat like in the manner it was against Greece where like yeah. he probably ha- it probably hasn't this and this is the issue what in feeding into what Dion was saying it pro- there probably hasn't been a time where he probably would have felt strong enough or could have come out and actually done it because the results haven't haven't been there in terms of being sustained but like <laughs> if I was him I would have lost my head with some of them like, a long time ago do you know what I mean he's probably had to bite his lip and he, well, he has had to bite his lip because like the manner of of some of the stuff in the press conferences and how some people do behave, like just with with that, like there is a, there's a, this isn't that wasn't something that was just happened because of what's happened with Greece. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's within it's within every journalist's right to take their own stance. On oh things, no, absolutely. A, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of a lot of the media have been very supportive. No, of yeah. Stephen Kenny. And there is a certain section that haven't been probably yeah. from early on. So I, I think those journalists, Philip Quinn and others, are yeah. within their rights as well oh, absolutely. to ha- have a pop. Absolutely. And that, that that's what's one of the stranger aspects of this whole thing was, from my point of view, is that there's enough valid stuff to be criticising them about that you, you, you can't, that people have been doing over the last while. The fact that Oren go away for that training camp and you expect the team to be fluid, you expect there to be a bit more organisation, a lot more organisation, and that wasn't there. That's what you can be rightfully, be, rightfully kind of pointing it the fact that even before that and results that we've been out of campaigns early you go back to the Armenia game that first in the in the nation that that was just such a sucker blow at a time where that, that shouldn't have been happening even how Ireland performed the fact that you can go back even further and the Luxembourg defeat and then Ireland bouncing back there's been little moments sporadic moments peppered in with that in terms of that's shown what could happen in terms of say the Scotland game Portugal away up until the 90th minute when, you're, when Ireland are winning 1-0 Portugal at home, the way they kind of recovered at home to to Serbia. There's been those little moments, but because of what Stephen Kenny was kind of coming in saying what was going to be what he was kind of trying to introduce, that hasn't materialised so far. Do you know what I mean? It, ju- it just hasn't, and that's what's what you should be rightly able to criticise. But the fact that with some of it, it's it's been from day one. That's what I, as a journalist, I don't, I just don't understand how you can kind of maintain that kind of try to have that kind of sense of a balance when that hasn't been there do you know what I mean that's what from my point of view and it's probably what people are listening that are like well no one cares about that because like that's not that's not what's important here what's important is over the course of Stephen Kenny's time as the Ireland manager there has been some good there's been too much that's been bad the results and that particularly the result and the manner of the defeat in Greece the fact that now it leads into where Gibraltar is a must-win game that just says it all for where that is at the moment. Is an altercation like this with a journalist does it matter at all, or is it a sign of a, a deepening tension, maybe in Stephen Kenny's own mind, but certainly between the media and the manager? Yeah, but I, I like it. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I think it, it probably reveals something of the pressure Stephen Kenny's under, and I think Dave is right. Like maybe there was, like I don't think it's a good time to be doing it, but there was never probably a good time. Um, I don't know how much it, like, uh, it impacts in the wider world. I don't know who, how many people uh, are 
you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the newspapers that, that these things are appearing in aren't really seen by lots of people these days anyway. Like, there's not a lot of, you know, uh, and now I know one, one paper, and I, like, uh, I think it was, I think it was the same journalist, the story that, you know, uh, Ireland, you know, Sam Allardyce and Robbie Keane might be the yeah. might be the the the, the, yeah, the interim managers now. If that if that story gets advanced, it's uh, it's Stephen Stephen Kenny's best chance of keeping a job, I <laughs> <Yeah>. think, <laughs> because I think you know if you say right, do you want uh, do you want everything that's happened in the Stephen Kenny project flawed, deeply flawed as it is, and I, mm. again, probably should get into that, uh, or do you want Sam Allardyce? Uh, I think people will go for. For Stephen Kenny, f- faults and all. Now I think it's reached a point that I think Greece was so bad, and because, as David said, because of things like the training camp. Now Stephen Kenny can talk about this was just to give us parity. This was just to get up, but and it's, and it's not just the the cost of it or whatever, but it's just right. Right, if you are a manager who is who is taking the job on the basis of what you're going to do. That are that like I look at Stephen Kenny's time as Ireland manager like this. I kind of think he kind of declared like a national emergency. You know, it was like it was like kind of yeah. lockdown or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We are not going to be judged by the same metrics that you have. You know, we're going to be running this society on a different basis from now for for a time being because everything needs to be fixed. We, we give a martial law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. this is it. Now shut down. You know, and we're not going to. You know, we're not going to. You know, just this is the way things are going to have to be because of yeah. how things, how bad things have got, and we allow that to happen, and that's fine, and that was the right thing to do, in my view. But there comes a point, and like Greece was probably the point where you're looking at going. Well, under the terms of engagement, are things actually? Are we actually now? Uh, are we managing the national emergency? like you said, we would manage a national emergency. And when you come to that, if Ireland had lost 3-0 to Greece and they'd still played the football and done the things that you, you know, Stephen Kenny had been promising to do, you'd say, OK, well, like I would actually still be arguing that's, that's fine, yeah. that's OK. But when you look at the team, you look at the second goal and you go, hold on now, what, what is the reason for this lack of organisation? Is it that he's given them? They've spent too much time. They, he's given them too much information. He doesn't know how to organise a team in this situation. But like, what is it that you can actually have a team so badly set up? And that wasn't just a one-off. No matter what, what Stephen Kenny yeah. says, that was the pattern of the game that Greece were just able to pick people off. So when you go into it with a camp like that, you need to keep progressing under the under the terms of your of your engagement under the terms of the national emergency and and that hasn't that's I feel, I feel like we're at the nine year old meal stage of this national emergency <laughs> remember the early days of COVID people are like the government's actually pretty good it's, yeah. it's nice having people who are in charge in a situation like this and then after a while it's like what you, you can go into the pub if you pay a minimum of nine euro for meal. what yeah, the yeah. fuck is this box the, the nine euros will uh, inoculate you or uh, yeah it will yeah. protect you the from Greece, COVID the yeah, Greece yeah. result is the nine euro meal yeah, yeah, yeah. This who are the chicken goose on there's a few. There was a few in midfield. One, I think one yeah. pizza box <laughs> that, on one table for nine hours. But that, and that's the issue. And that's like, is that there's been nothing. There has been. There hasn't been a sense of of something sustained where you can say, say results. The odd result or an odd little flicker that's been gone against them. Ireland that you thought, oh, well, that's a bit of a it's a blemish. But it's you can see what's happening. It's kind of like it's dragged us back to the exact moment where we were a number of years against Gibraltar when Jeff Hendrick was celebrating a, a, a goal against an airport. Do you know what I mean? Remember when he's, yeah. he's putting his hand up to his ear? Yeah, We're yeah. kind of back at that moment again and it, it just happens to be, it just happens to be Gibraltar and like, 
even with some of the like the results have been poor like you know what I mean like, there can be like it's 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 obvious it's there but then like some of it up up until the the manner of the Greece performance and stuff that's why you were thinking you shouldn't be playing that badly even though it's maybe a good number of weeks since players have played the fact that you have had that bit of time together you should be looking fairly solid like the, the manner of that second goal like even Stephen Kenny said it himself like he got done mm. like Mikey Johnson getting nuts kind of switching off like it's just and even the fact that the defence was so far over, like that's just ba- that's basic. So that stuff, I don't. That stuff that even that's 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 on the players essentially. Like that just that moment, that period in game where not being switched on to realising how much space is there, and the defense, more so the centre backs. I suppose they should be able to see what's going on here with the, the space in behind. But it's just a matter of the fact that we haven't got that sense that it's a hundred percent progressing. All the time. Just, did you, did like you see sustained. the Poye, Did you see the Poye comments afterwards? He was not shy in talking about how what he expected from Ireland, how that came to pass. Yeah, the halftime tactical tweaks he expected, which also came to pass, was fairly damning of what but, Stephen Kenny was at. But also, yeah, like there was damning, but also the fact that, uh, like. You know, and this again is is why you kind of you are at the nine euro meal stage of it because when you start and you start picking young players and, and players, everybody buys into that, and especially where Ireland have been, everyone yeah. wants to see young players and get excited by it. But that only lasts so long, and like you know, Ida being selected uh, and then coming off at half time, and like as predictable as as Poy said that was, like that's on Stephen Kenny to kind of go realize, okay. Everybody knew we we all what we saw and you know like he's a young guy who's trying his best and he's had injuries and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, there was nothing in that first half that would have surprised anybody who's watched him over the over the last while. And you kind of think, well, what is Stephen Kenny hoping for or planning for in that situation that he that he picks him? And again, when you then have uh, an actual genuinely outstanding young talent. Who you're looking at going? Okay, how is he like Evan Ferguson? Yeah, what is he doing? His one touch in in the in the Greek box in the in the in the game. That's all he had, and that was the header from the corner. That was a header from the yeah. corner, and like you know, Ireland's best moment in the game arguably was their kickoff of the match when when you know when he sweep, <laughs> when, when he sweeps it out. I do think I do think Robbie Keane had a fair few nights like that, but he also got nights like against teams like Gibraltar in fact against Gibraltar which Evan Ferguson gets tonight so who knows Ferguson might get a couple yeah, of those he, he might, pro- we start feeling he might start feeling a bit, a bit like this isn't a complete grind well I did think that like you know if you know he's, he's so young and he's going to have a, a long career for Ireland and you look at it on Friday and you think god he's going to have a career that feels even longer <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thought of Evan Ferguson getting like 140 caps. They'll feel you know. like, it'll be like dog years. <laughs> yeah. It'll feel like 700 ca- It will count like something in the region of 800 international appearances. <laughs> yeah, four, yeah, 43 goals or something more than respectable, but no major tournament appearances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, but, but, but if you're listing Evan, there is a chance. <laughs> but it's just that that is... That sounds like That sounds like Collins' career is going to be. Yeah, 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 it's true. But, you know, that is the thing he has. Anyway, like, I just think that selection, those kind of things, you start, you know, people, people, are getting to know these players for better and for worse mm. and then they look and then they look at the manager and go why did you you know you're not in the position you were two years ago and you've got to see an advance in, in terms of that as well now again I don't think this is to do with necessarily the results as much as the performance I think you could I would argue and I probably argued before that whatever happens you, you could you could make a case for Stephen Kenny staying but when you see a, a performance that's so lacking 
that's yeah, that, I'd agree with you on that. Like I, I think I said that to you was, I said that to you was like maybe a couple of years ago where I was like for the first for the next little while I actually don't care about the results. Like like some of the some of the issues I even have about stuff that's said about about Stephen Kenny and what's happened, it would be it's almost as if that he's come in and has ripped up some grand plan for Irish football that has been working <laughs> for fucking forty years. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not what happened here. Like he, the whole point was about coming in and being able to. Obviously, he spoke very positively, and that's obviously probably partly to his detriment. Yeah. Now it's almost as if he, he actually needed to say that it was a state of emergency a bit more bluntly. But like, I just kind of feel that's more of the issue in terms of if you're a coach and if you're a manager, and obviously he's bringing in a lot of these players young players and also other players who have kind of emerged like say a, like a Josh Cullen and stuff and maybe that's the issue the fact that it's not just a continual sense of progression and how Ireland are playing and seeing this is where Ireland are continuing to go because like that defeat to Greece is something that we've all seen over the last 20 years you know, even like me like literally the first, term, the first major tournament I covered was the Euros in 2012 and, and a bit of that qualifying campaign and it's like you've seen in moments like that Dion would have seen it even mm. previously before that you know what I mean that's that's the issue on what's happening at the moment and that's where you, you kind of ha- he, he would have to justify things more and saying well this is what you wanted to try and do you've brought a lot of players through and no one can say oh, what's he doing bringing that player in because a lot of players it's not that it's been obvious but you've seen that a change was needed Um maybe you can argue as well you know is this just what we have to kind of deal with for the for a while because it's just the nature of where these players are at as well and maybe that inconsistency because it does feel no matter what that Ireland to get any kind of result always have to be at their best do you know what I mean that still hasn't changed but, I, and that, and, yeah. but that's where I'm but sorry but that's where I'm saying where it comes to the manager then yeah. is where the manager then has to well if he he should, if he can he sees these players all the time he knows them inside out he's like he should then say well do you know what does he go and be a bit more pragmatic to try and save his job and say, well, I actually have to change things now or continue? But it doesn't feel as if that's what's happened either. Yeah, well, that's it. I don't think I think you could accept the inconsistency if there was something that something to like tangible to look at and say, right, this is the reason for it. There is the reason for it. And, you know, like people got very excited about the, the France performance. But again, that was like if you're talking about historic Irish performances and Greece fitting into that. So did France. Like, there's nothing in the France performance that we haven't seen uh, mm. over the years at Lansdowne Road, and you know, which is heroic battling against a far superior opposition. That's what that's what, that's what should have been. Though. That's that's a, almost a good thing in the sense that, well, like, yeah. you know, that 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 Kenny was doing. That's how he was able to set the team up. That hasn't been even some of the the bigger the bigger games against the like say say Portugal home and away. Like that hasn't been the issue. That's where. We're talking about like this. I know it was mentioned by by Damien Delaney on on Virgin when he was talking about him being out of his depth. I don't think it's a case of him being totally out of his depth because it hasn't. It genuinely hasn't felt as if Ireland have been like you look in those games or in even other games. Like, what like this is absolutely atrocious. It's the manner of the fact that we ha- hasn't felt as if there's just been that progression. It's just it's just that's just the like. Not that it's normal, but it kind of a sense of it is normal in some management where a manager maybe just can't get more out of a group of players I, and de- be able to deliver on what he was wanting to sell to achieve. I do feel that France performance was a little bit different from some previous ones because I, I do think we were braver in possession than a lot of those, you know, say the famous 1-0 win against Germany. Mm. There, I, I think you did see the Stephen Kenny style. It was that, that's why it was such an encouraging night. And if it wasn't for Mike Feck and Mannion yeah. saving that mm. header at the end, but anyway, that, that's all done. Well, I think just you, interesting you mentioned Damien Delaney there because I think one thing the Kenny era has had a lot of is passion, you know? It's kind of, 
for example, the Murph Kane thing after the Luxembourg game. I can hear like how angry you are. I can hear how triggered you are. What is it about this? But I feel even triggered. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you, yeah. How could I let him get away with that? I've, well, I don't think he did. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. I even uh, that brings me back to being in a studio with Joe Brawley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I should have said that. <laughs> it, it did feel like there were a certain amount of games where, okay, whether you love him or hate him, or you're pro Kenny or anti Kenny it was stirring things up a bit you know yeah. and then every match day was a big one you're at the stadium and mm-hmm. it, there was a big support for him there has been even up until the France game I think but now when I hear Damien Delaney saying stuff like long time critics like that saying and we'll have Damien on tomorrow saying that Kenny's been found out and he's, he's out of his depth I kind of feel like well you know a lot of the supporters are probably just shrug and say yeah maybe you're right you know there's no even the, the big debate seems to be sort of what's the word, just sort of fading away and people are, uh, Stephen Kenny fans are becoming uh, grudgingly accepting of the idea that actually he's not he's not doing well, a good enough job. But like, yeah, but yeah. maybe that is just articulating what Greece presented to you, which is if you spend all this time with the players and you have a training camp like that and then there's nothing to show for it, you wonder like, what is he getting out of the players? Mm. What is he doing at this stage? Is, is, does, does it mean that the more time he spends with the players, the, the 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 diminishing returns he gets from it? You know, because there was nothing you couldn't like if you if if you watched that game and said, oh, for whatever reason, Stephen Kenny actually abandoned all uh, managerial principles and he told him to go on the piss till the day before the game, and they showed up, and that's what they you know, well look you got you know it's like you know the the uh, the uh, Harry Ramsden challenge all over again like that's that was the level of of shambles it was. So when you're told, hold on, no, actually they had an intense training camp. Yeah. Uh, and he talks about parity. Well, there was no parity. Like there was nothing. There was, mm. you know, there was one team, as like Poyd laid it out. There was one team who knew what they were doing and there was one team that didn't. So then I think people do start going, okay, whether you use language like out of, out of his depth or not, uh, you just want, you wonder, is, there, is, is he getting what he should be getting out of the players given given that time put yeah, in. Yeah, it's, it's kind of beside the point. I mean, I, I understand out of your depth is like, it, that's the sort of phrase, but it's because of where Stephen Kenny's come from. At the, you know, at the end of the day, there's like, there is that like kind of, um, there's still that hangover of him being, well, he didn't do it in England, therefore he's not a real football manager. And like, that doesn't matter. It Like, it, like he ha- he's had the job for long enough to be, to be taken on its merits on this job, regardless yeah. of anything else. So I think that the out of his, like that out of yeah. his depth thing is kind of, and like who, care, who yeah. cares? I mean, the reality is this job hasn't worked out for him, you mm. know? And I think that that's the, that's the thing rather than I, I think. Uh, yeah, to use it as a sweeping kind of statement about where we source our managers or whatever. I, I don't know if Damien mm. was doing that. No, no, I don't know. I don't think you want, yeah. no, no, I think that's, no, 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 but I think there will be, like that's, that, that, is a source not of Damien Delaney who I think argues it very well from his point of view mm. what the problems are but I think there has been that kind of uh, resistance to that idea you know to the idea from of, Irish ex-pros yeah yeah that's been a regular manager I can understand why you might have said out of his depth after the Greece game because that's like actually the one yeah. that, that game actually felt as if he was not found out but that was where another manager just he was comprehensively he, he was, beaten yeah, on the sideline yeah, yeah absolutely I mean, so I can understand but as a whole I don't think it's been a, a case of that I want to move on to tonight David but you did have a good piece on the crowd issues getting oh, the yeah. Irish supporters in the other day uh, the FAI is reviewing the access issues with the Greek Federation and UEFA as the safety of our fans will always be of the utmost importance. Yeah. What what happened roughly? 
So obviously I wasn't in, I wasn't covering the game in Greece, so I was kind of watching it at home and, and doing the piece off the telly. So I was kind of able to then like see some of the stuff that was happening on social media and so I was getting messages off people and then there was a couple of interesting threads I kind of retweeted a couple of them from fans who were who were there at the time and who had um, been speaking to them via WhatsApp and Twitter and stuff mm. and it's just a, it's an interesting one because like I was in touch with the FAI and he gave me and then he sent out the statement afterwards and like even then after that there seemed to be a case of oh, something happened with Tornstiles but kind of married one of the fans who put it out saying that there was issues like three hours they were told to get there three hours before or the gates would be open three hours beforehand and even then there was kind of issues with actually the gate that they were going in there was like three separate gates like 45 up to 48 or whatever mm-hmm. and it ended up being a case that well quite a, several hundred fans were only getting in during the national anthems not having their tickets checked but then also which is very worrying was they were getting funneled into one section rather than that, and there was a quite a, a bare section that was kind of not not being used and fans are having to climb over glass perspex and stuff to actually get into their get into their seats and even then from some of it about the fact that just the total lack of organisation and coordination on the ground from say stewards or police um, like even just beforehand like I was doing stuff um, on what's happening at Greek football and the fact that there's actually maybe a bit of an appetite towards a national team but in club football some the cup final was played in a town miles away from anywhere because it was behind closed doors they've had to bring referees in from from, from like Poland and stuff for, for games it's like a serious issue with crowd violence and all the rest of it so I don't know what, what the story was in terms of why then mm-hmm. a game like that would be would be steward so seem so ineffectively um, and it just seems to be a case again of actual Ireland fans I mentioned it in the piece just having the, the awareness and the ability to be able to self-police and self-steward to make sure nothing more serious happened and um, yeah just kind of be following up over the next little while to see where that's at because it could have been it could have been far worse you know listening to some of the stuff talking about people being mashed and there was kids involved and like there was talking about being corralled and crushes and all like that's yeah like, all, all, those word, reading, like. all those words you're saying just Oh, I know, but it's obvious, yeah. You know, we all, there's a visceral reaction there when you're talking about being funneled into one section and mm. some of those other words you're using there. Like, it's it's scary stuff and it's happening, it appears, more often now, certainly in high-profile games that we're following, Dion, like the last couple of Champions League finals have been serious issues, obviously. What, why does it feel like we're getting worse at this, as in sport is getting worse at safeguarding the fans rather than better Can I just David yeah be real quickly on that like, this isn't something new either yeah. in terms of I was like just as a, a football fan like I was at the 2009 Champions League final in Rome and that was a fucking shit show really yeah from yeah. the day we got there in terms of like travelling in from Pisa and what was happening around the city and like how you're getting bust into the ground and then like supposed to getting back to Rome Termini station and you're getting kept in and you're getting all funneled out together and then you're missing and then you end up sleeping fucking in, ter- in Rome station because you've missed the train you're supposed to be on going back like football fans who'll be listening to this to be like this isn't something new this is something that happens all the time and matches in terms of if you go abroad not maybe not to this extent in terms of what happened in Greece that's why it's a bit more shocking but just in terms of how, how they're treated because literally Nick, Nick Hornby wrote about this sort of stuff in Fever Pitch mm. you know and then it changed in English football quite soon after that so this is over 30 years ago so what, why are we still looking at these issues well I think we're seeing we're probably seeing uh becoming more aware of it sometimes when it happens around Champions League finals and stuff like that because yeah. of social media mm-hmm. and people are recording it and they have they have a record that uh, literally go, in seconds like yeah it just goes, just goes against but I was like I was at I was at Istanbul in, Istanbul in 2005 I thought it was hilarious in the build up to the game that you know UEFA said they'd learnt their lessons from 
uh, Paris last year and as well if they'd learned their lessons it wouldn't be on where it's on <laughs> you know that, that was the first lesson to learn because anyone who'd been to the Ataturk uh, like I remember going out there and it was like you know our le- the lesson they learned was to get people out there early like that was it like that was the lesson go go to the stadium miles out of the city and b- there'll be loads of stuff there and you go there, there won't be there yeah. won't be like I found it amazing that they were they were t- uh, I've read a couple of journalists talking about the same rubble strewn yeah. uh, sort of uh, grey landscape where literally no- there was nothing for miles on end like it's the same rubble strewn landscape they saw in 2005 yeah. that they were still thought the, yeah no, no the, the, it was extraordinary so like that was the thing they don't care Ultimately, like without sounding kind of uh, like like UEFA's focus is on is on the kind of you know the the, the celeb- you know the blue ribbon kind of uh, VIP event the, that element of and supporters are uh, accessories. Well, they'd want to start carrying pretty fucking. Well, they, they, they would, but they, but, but it's extraordinary that after last year that this is this is what you know. If you really cared, you would say, okay, well, look. Anyone who's been to the Ataturk knows. Anyone who's been to the Ataturk but hasn't, you know, hasn't gone in UEFA in UEFA designated vehicle knows what it's like to go to the go to go there. And what 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 uh, what a terrible like this is the thing. What a terrible experience it is to actually be there, even if nothing goes wrong. Yeah, even if you're safe and you get home unharmed, yeah. you still have a really grim. Yeah, and again, that is it. It's funny. I was reading that Mark mm-hmm. Namus piece from the. Uh, uh, from the 1999 Champions oh, the Ken reference, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, you know, again, he's saying like the worst way to watch a fo- football match is to go to a football match. <laughs> and, you know, but like, again, when you read like that, that's 1999, all the experiences of that, which are just the stuff you put up with. Like, and that's, that's you know, it's, you know, co- yeah. coaches. Why? Like, why, yeah, why does that feel so great? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it just is. And you're there as, uh, you're there as an extra. You're there to provide uh and you know, provide an accessory to the television audience. Yeah. And like, it, I don't think it's getting worse. Like 2005, I was in Athens in 2007, where people I know uh, who had tickets never had to show them. You know, I know somebody who in the, got into that final showing that like a packet of cigarettes as their ticket. You know what I mean? And there was you got, like that day in 2007, there was just it was just it was again it was scary. In and that and that was and that was in Athens. It was scary. Uh, the lack of control and lack of organisation, um, and everybody knows. Everybody has stories from any. You know, I, uh, and England did to a degree. England, England kind of got on top of it. But anyone who's been, you know, everyone has stories about about this about this kind of stuff. And you know, the the, the source of it so many times is uh, like as in on Friday night is a failure, either heavy handed security. A failure of security, or just you know, and are just a, a lack of interest, and the salvation, as it was last year fans. in Paris, as it was, you know, are, are the fans. Yeah, as fans it having cop on, have people having cop on and control. And you look at it, you know, what happened on Friday night. It happened in all the videos you saw from Paris last year of fans acting as the voice of reason. And, you know, again, that oppositional point of view that authorities have, that the supporters are somehow, you know, we need them there because they provide the the atmosphere. But other than every other way, we will actually treat them with contempt. 
and then the only thing that saves the neck of these <laughs> these these authorities is the, the 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 sensible intelligence of the supporters they've treated so badly. Tell us that tonight. I would say the more or less a sellout is what Stephen Kenny has said a few times. Now we'll see how many people actually turn up because obviously the season tickets. There are a lot of tickets that were bundled Bundle, with, yeah. the, uh, with the Netherlands game. Uh, or was it the France game? Netherlands. Yeah. Netherlands, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's going to be quite interesting. And also this sort of, whether they're the normal Stephen Kenny chants and so on. But in terms of a positive, James McLean is making his 100th appearance yeah. as captain. He was asked for a highlight of his 99 caps so far, representing Ireland, he said. Which is <laughs> a great James McLean answer. He went on to talk about his pride and so on. What do you think of James McLean as he uh, hits this landmark? One of the more interesting and, I guess, divisive figures in Irish sport. Yeah, do you know, we were, you know remember we were saying about, about um, a lot of talk about the passion of that's on both sides from Stephen Kenny. But when you actually go back, remember when McLean made his debut for Ireland? It was almost mm-hmm. as if... Like it was the last thing in the world Giovanni Trapattoni wanted to do <laughs> was like actually throw, throw him on I thought it was Messi he said yeah, yeah do you yeah. know what I mean because remember I can't remember what game was it was it was it Armin? I can't remember Czech, it was Czech Republic was it yeah, yeah. and it was like remember see at the time like Stephen Hunt would have been on that left wing he was kind of holding down that going, going to be on to the Euros and stuff but the way he blitzed onto the scene having come on, obviously come through at Derry under Stephen Kenny and then gone to Sunderland and the type of player he was and then eventually, like the career he's actually managed to forge for himself, and just obviously coming on to now play a hundred caps, and everyone knows about everything that he's had to deal with in terms of all the stuff regarding the poppy and how he's kind of spoken about that and how he's, what what he's had to deal with there. And it's, it's still going on. I, I know, like you know, maybe now is not the forum for an hour long yeah. conversation about all the, all these kind of issues. And he, he, you know, he's he's made a few missteps in the past himself yeah. with the balaclava. Uh, Post and so on, but what I found interesting, the Athletic did a piece about all this today. Stuff last season, yeah, yeah. It's it's so recent. I didn't, mm. I didn't like you know. I, I kind of, I, I guess I figured this sort of stuff still happens, but we don't really hear about it that often. I remember Blackpool are currently being investigated yeah. for effectively failing to control their crowd, and when you hear Oliver Kay's piece and the level of abuse he was subjected to, this is only back in April. This is a few couple of months ago. Uh, it's it really is striking that he deals with this on a it, it appears near daily basis. Well, it was chat- I spoke to. An Ireland player not so long ago and he was just, just having a conversation about him and it wasn't part of the interview or whatever but he was just saying that he's no idea how he copes with what I, he, I don't know with, how he, he deals with it in yeah. terms of like like just the grief that he gets constantly on say through social media but also at matches and at games and everything like that and on the street as well did his wife say they do with it on the street yeah. as well there was actually a very interesting piece I think it was in the I think it was Simon Collins did it and I think it was the, up in the Irish news up um, did a piece before the Greece game talking to his wife and I think it was brought on a few people just about mm. about about James McLean and what this means to him and stuff it's very, it's very I thought it was quite good um, but just I thought it was very just interesting where he was saying that like the fact that he wouldn't be able. He was saying he won't, he wouldn't be able to cope with actually having to deal with this amount of abuse while playing football. Do you know what I mean? And whereas this is something that James McLean has lived with. But I think in terms of obviously he's going to be getting to a hundred caps. But in terms of any professional footballer to have the career he's had and to, obviously those challenges that have been off the pitch as well as being at, at matches. But just to be able to play so many games and deal with different managers, I know obviously this situation at Stoke, where effectively playing for Ireland cost them is not so cost them his career at Stoke, but basically that was one of the reasons why they weren't keeping him on is because was it around the last international window towards the end of the, pre- the season before last, where he came in when he shouldn't have came in essentially, and he was like they were like, well, hold on, we can't we can't justify giving you a new contract when right, this is yeah, happening yeah. and stuff. Um, 
and he's just actually funny, funny as well the fact that he played for Stoke as well it's like the, probably the one club you would not expect him to, <laughs> to take into their hearts but he also then even with, with Wigan if you speak to people at Wigan and again some of the generosity of him as a as a person and all the rest of him what he's done for the club and the fact that he was he was the only senior player who played their last game of the season because of the fact that wages hadn't been paid mm. and stuff so like there's a, there is a loyalty there that to, to, that he has in him that maybe is kind of lacking in, in professional football well, well there's an openness as well for sure mm. um, like you know he, the, the, talking about his autism diagnosis recently and, and his daughter's autism I thought was um, just really interesting yeah. I just, just just put it all out there in a real James McLean straightforward way this is this is the situation this is why I'm saying it and this is how I feel about it where are you, where are you and James McLean on this occasion well I think it's a great uh I think it's a great, it's an incredible accomplishment for him, uh, and I I do think um, I you know the, what he endures in England and um, it's it's kind of and like Oliver Kay's piece in the Athletic does lay it all out like it's extraordinary, and you know as you say he, at times he's 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 done stupid things, but at the same time, you know McLean's view on it, which it's hard not to have sympathy with, is that like. You know, it, the wrong thing to do is say this is happening because this is James McLean because he looks at it as something broader than that because of who he is, where he's from, and would anyone would it be tolerated in that in those circumstances with it, with it, in any other situation? You know, that it's just ongoing, mm. a, a, an acceptable, accepted part of the soundtrack uh, to the matches he plays. So that is an extraordinary thing, and then he brings you know that. And I think, you know, like uh, from a footballing point of view, you might have thought at some point, uh, what does it say about where Ireland are that James McLean is getting 100 caps? But at the same time, there, the amount of times you kind of, you, you might have that feeling and then he comes on and actually he does because of whatever combination of, of strengths he brings to... Irish performance, you're going to go, okay, you know, Ireland needed him out there. Alex, and on the pitch, you know. like, you know, this, if every other player maxed out their potential to the way James McLean does, we'd be all right over the last, yeah, yeah, absolutely. At, at any given time. And also, he's just played every single game in the championship. I know his team was relegated, but, and it was all, you know, all sorts going on off the field or whatever, but he's 34 years of age. He was their player this season, scored scored a few goals, had eight assists. He's a decent player, James McLean. I think he's worthy of 100, well, think, 100 games for his performances. Think about the World Cup campaign, the, before, the last one under Martin O'Neill, he was top scorer in the yeah. top scorer in the group, you know what I mean? And like some of the goals, his goal away, his goal away in Vienna yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is one of the great... Is, is, think about that, the counter-attack started off with Dale, David Moyler and finished off with obviously Wes Hulahan's pass and all that was involved. Like That was... That was a great moment, and that goal is goal away at Wales. At Wales, it was yeah, like unbelievable, unbelievable goal. It was also in that. I think the campaigns all merged into one. But he came off. The, was it came off the bench in one of the games? Was it against Moldova? And did he scored twice against Moldova as well. Or, or you're, you're testing my memory. Yeah, but like beyond its limits, there, David. But I think but there's also yeah. that as well, where like he has delivered as well. Yeah. It's not just a case of you know, oh, he's passionate and yeah people all the rest of it and like there's been moments where he's frustrated the life out of people there's been moments where he's been brilliant and there's been moments where like he's just I don't know where it's going with that but he's just been very very <laughs> very very good like, I, I think over the course of over that career that he's had like yeah I think and I think you know you look at Friday night again and you think well uh, did Callum O'Dowd a 
like was again that selection you're like in given everything that the way it unfolded you're like well James McLean would have been a player you'd rather have seen there uh, for the for the duration of the game so I don't think you can you can argue with, with um, you know the, the, what he what he's achieved well, in an Irish jersey. presumably if he's captain he's going to start ahead of O'Dowda I'm making that assumption if he was being told he's going to be the captain and he's doing the press conference and stuff like that so then on the other side you've got whoever maybe Alan Brown to come in um, for Matt Doherty who's suspended there's Daryl Lenehan will Daryl Shea come in there possibly a mid- shake up of midfield Ida maybe dropped Obafemi coming in but is there a bigger question here tactically any fear of trying forward the back maybe just like yeah. go back to I was thinking when you were saying yeah, that like, I don't you think you need to slot somebody in here blah 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 small bone or night or whatever it is but can we try something else again? Maybe see if, if you know, at least give us the option in game in a situation where we're struggling badly as we were in Athens to change to another system. Yeah. Like, like a proper another system, not just another version of three. At the another, yeah, no, yeah like, like Gibraltar at home is not a game where you think you're going to need to have three centre halves and that's where it's going to come in f- for them. You would think obviously all the folks would have been on the Greece game and now it's a case of, well, having an idea in the back of your head of well, how you're going to set up for for Gibraltar but you would think yeah like if you change it a little bit just to bring something else into the team that could be needed in the final tour especially or the middle tour mm-hmm. in the in midfield because yeah you would not expect that you would kind of need three uh, three centre backs at, at home to, to Gibraltar to be honest like. what do you reckon well yeah I think if uh, if Ireland are struggling to beat Gibraltar and he's started with three centre backs like it's not going to uh, it's not going to go down well um, but he has this is how the team has evolved and this is what he's kind of gone and you know mm. now okay this this is these are like all Stephen Kenny needs to do and again this is a problem with the project now all he needs from this game is a win like there is no um, there is no point in him saying look we've got a great performance we've got, we've, we've committed to three at the back this is our system now um, if he aba- if he went to four if he went to flat back four would you say well now we're going to start we're going to try this system again or is this just a one off for this game um, well well, I, I'd say you might give yourself the option of being able to use it at another point these players play for their clubs in different systems they, so wh- why are we so rigidly deciding that we're we're three at the back and that's it now. I think that there's there's been an element even of, you know, every decision that Kenny has to make, it has to be like a definitive decision yeah. yes. because, yeah, fair point. you know, be, be, and again, I think it does come back to the criticism that he's taken from ex-pros living in England that this guy doesn't know what, it, oh, now he's flip-flopping on, on uh, formation. Well, he's not flip-flopping. Like, you know, it's, it's you're a manager. Like, mm. this idea that you only play one system, I mean, fine if you're, you know, Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, every other manager says, looks at the opposition they're playing and says, is there a way we can hurt them by changing our formation? If there is a way that that happens, then you change the formation. Yeah, I think, I think you know, to uh, unfortunately take the side of the ex-players in England for a minute, I think that, again, is partly because of the way Stephen Kenny talked about what he was going to be mm. doing. Mm. So, you know, if, if there is any sense of a, uh, of a change or a reverse it is well. Hold on a second. What about the philosophy? What about uh, we don't need to be on the back foot? We don't need to. You know, we're going to take a forward step. We're going to all the rhetoric, which people like me were excited by. Uh, you know, I think it, it, at the same time it also creates the conditions for people to go. Oh, well, uh, have you? Where are you, where are you now on the uh, rhetorical journey? And that and that's the problem. Yeah. But I do think that there is there is nobody. 
nobody is going to be nobody is going to be delighted if we play great football against Gibraltar really no matter what like nobody uh, like the only thing that really matters it is kind of depressing the only thing that really matters is mm. that he wins and then even then I still think there's probably going to be a debate about where it goes from here yeah okay just a bit of news coming in as we record from Gary Doyle who reports that Liam Brady will be leaving RTE after tonight's game a source said Liam's contract is coming to an end at the Gibraltar game Will be his last one for RTE. Mm. So, end end of an era there, guys. No, yeah, it feels like it as well because like now our ah, the RTE dream team and all was kind of broken up over the last number of years. But if he if Liam Brady, well, let's be honest, Gary wouldn't have wrote that story if if it wasn't serious but uh, true behind it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's going to be a shame. Yeah, it is a shame because he does again. He brings that kind of gravitas and authority. Um, uh, I know he was getting criticised on Friday night for saying he didn't know. Uh, much about some of the players or a friend of mine said <laughs> said you know some of these players have got to go and meet them halfway on this <laughs> you know like you know they're, 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 there's not doing your research maybe if your career was a little better <laughs> yeah. then you know yeah. Well, but, yeah but no but he has been like you know and again it is you know we all feel it's a, a bit of a sort of a sense of our, our own uh, you know uh, all of us aging and you know nostalgia for what mm. what's lost because that that panel you know the Dunphy Giles Brady panel mm. time was you know if, if there was a guy your age playing in the Premier League you kind of felt like ah oh, you know how old could you really be now it's like if you've if there's a guy on the RTE soccer pal your age I mean how well, old can you really yeah on be, that Brady know? had a good line the other night where they were talking about Evan Ferguson oh. and you know they normally it's oh yeah I played with his dad Brady I played with his granddad yeah. <laughs> and, and had, hadn't Richie was it, had played with his, Richie played with his dad, dad yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. there you well, go well Brady's mm. grandson was uh, at the Cavendish Mini World Cup on uh, over the last couple. Yeah, of weeks. I was I was uh, there myself, Dion. Yeah, yeah. So was, you know, his I didn't realise at the time, but his his grandson was playing for Germany and they beat my son's uh, my son's Austria Germany Austria wow <laughs> I was like lads it's 1982 again the draw will do fine but no they were they just went out and hammer and dogs and in fairness like, of all the great football documentaries of former Ireland players that have been out recently that one on Liam Brady stands yeah stands I, I, honestly there's not one other documentary even comes into mind I can't <laughs> think of any maybe if they show the team the Brady if they show on the, the Brady the one last yeah, week yeah, then yeah, maybe we wouldn't be sitting there having this conversation once again thanks a lot Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, lads. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. There's a run of Barrett, and Barrett's giving herself a chance here. Amber Barrett in on goal. Amber Barrett makes the run through. That was sheer brilliance from Amber Barrett. The first touch to take her clear was absolutely terrific. Kneels in celebration in honour of the Donegal folk who passed away in the disaster in Chrysler. What a moment for the Donegal girl. This is going to change your life, you know that. It's going to change Ireland, women's football in Ireland. That's what we want to do. We want to inspire the next generation of kids in exactly. Ireland. We've, we're, we're able to do that next year at the World Cup in Australia. Book your tickets. We're going to a World Cup, mate. Unbelievable. We're buzzing! <laughs> Blink and you may have missed the passing reference to Erling Haaland in that piece there by David Snade when we were talking about Evan Ferguson mm. maybe toiling in obscurity in international football for a long time because that is what is happening to Erling Haaland at the moment a superstar who 
It's with apparently not a very good Norwegian team, despite the fact they also have Martin Odegaard in yeah, there. I do not the understand. Players yeah, the... It feels kind of like Wales. Once you have Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey's not as good as Martin Odegaard. No. Like, Martin Odegaard is like a step up on Aaron Ramsey, who played for the team. Yeah. And Haaland is a step up on Gareth Bale. So you would have thought with those two players, you should be you should be beating Scotland at home or at least getting a draw. But no. Norway now sits second from bottom in their group after throwing away a one-goal lead in the 87th minute to lose 2-1 at home to the Scots on Saturday night. McTominay, if Dykes can get the flick on here, it's John McGinn, it's Dykes, it's McGinn! That could be us, but you play it. This is quite sensational. Scotland have picked their moment to strike. Rory Hamilton and Michael Stewart screaming into the mic on via play there. That's what international football should be like. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. maybe, An odd moment like that. It's a a long road that has no turning on. The situation in that group now is that Scotland are top on nine points from nine ahead of their game against Georgia tomorrow night. Nations League champions Spain and Erling Haaland's Norway among the teams trailing in their wake. <laughs> it's unbelievable what the Scots are doing at the moment. My word. Uh, and listen, we yeah. wish them the best, you know. And I wouldn't mind, they've got a manager, he's he's seen as sort of an arch pragmatist. Yeah. You know, he never talks his, talks his team up much or, you know, mm. talks himself up much or defends his record or anything like that. And he plays pragmatic winning football. It's kind of, what I'm saying is, maybe Steve Clark would fancy a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Across the water at some stage. Is there anything else left to even prove in the Scotland job? Oh, Richie Steve and Damien on the show tomorrow. Coverage of the Ireland women's team who play a World Cup warm-up against Zambia on Thursday night will be available for World Service members because the football does not stop. No, it really for doesn't. our beloved members. Any emails you want to send in for Richie and Damien, by the way, if you want to craft them before or after the game tonight, do get them into us at editor at secondcaptains.com and we'll see what we can do. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, On. Thanks for listening. Sign up now on secondcaptains.com for a fiver a month plus VAT if you want to hear Damien and Richie and the rest of our football during the week. The Second Captains podcast is part of the ACAS Creator Network and if you sign up you'll hear all episodes with no ads. Super John McGinn I just don't think he understand He's the Scots man He's better than Zidane We've got Super John McGinn Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5 in 1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. 
It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.